Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. Beware the Ides of March. It is March the 15th of 2023. Professor Peanuts, uh, what are you doing with that knife? <laughs> A2, Professor Peanuts. A2, my mama's boy cat. <laughs> I mean, he does stab me a lot with his claws, so I guess that is kind oh, of okay. the same thing. I was just going to say, like, I mean, man, he he looks like his assassination plot. He just got distracted from it right now. He's, he's got to lick his paws clean. Yeah, he's got yeah. to get clean. And then, oh, he's looking into the camera. This is bad. No, no, <laughs> oh, no. He's getting his, he's getting that stab and look in his eyes. <laughs> he's becoming self-aware. He's like, wait a minute. Am I just a character in your silly machinations? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to stab you later. I can I just note this isn't really a tangent or anything like that. I just want to note uh, the frustration it is my life, and that I constantly try to find ways to enrich the lives of my pets. Uh, and my most recent one was hearing about snuffle mats for the first time. Have you ever heard of a snuffle mat? I've literally never heard of that. No, it's essentially like a mat, and it'll have like a lot of like felt like a uh, not felt like felt like flaps and uh, like little dongles and stuff like that. And the idea is you hide treats inside of it and then right. roll it up and then your pet could be a cat or a dog in this case um will unroll it and forage through it and it's supposed to kind of give them like a, a satisfaction so this might not be true i think i saw it on tiktok which i recognize now is not the greatest thing but i did see it's like available for sale in a lot of places so i picked up a snuffle sure. mat for both pets neither of them give a shit about it there's like <laughs> seven treats hanging out in the snuffle mat in my room and i just <laughs> i just recognize that's gonna be the case eh, she'll feed us eventually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she'll get tired and we'll get those treats don't you worry about it I think one of them is just like, there's food for literally right there. He's like, no, 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 She'll break way sooner than we will. <laughs> She's weak. We know it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I have definitely heard of those kinds of things. It also reminds me of um, um, Nicole's family uh, when they got uh, their young, when they got their current dog, uh he would kind of like overeat really, really quickly. Uh -huh. uh, so to prevent uh, them from like gorging themselves, they got this kind of like feeding pit that kind of you, you pour it in and it kind of like there's like a trail that they have to follow. Yeah. So that it's not just all in a bowl and that they can inhale it all in. You, they've got to, you know, like more gradually eat it because they have to follow the trail that the food is in and they can't get at it. Uh, outside of you know a set path yes so it kind of narrows down the funnel essentially so yeah people have all sorts of ways of, of taking care of these tiny little hairy people that live with us so. i'm just trying to help you feel like a hunter again buddy <laughs> he's like nah i'm fine with this i'm laying on your pillows and <laughs> bathing <looking>. myself <laughs> yeah <laughs> he really does live the life when i think about it <laughs> yeah that's what that's the impression I've gotten every time that he's shown up, especially because like something about him seems even lazier when I see his head just kind of like sticking out, you know, around the the veto in the bank briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> he just pops up. He's like, hey, what's going on back there? Quiet down. <laughs> Stop podcasting. <laughs> that's what, like maybe my most infuriating thing is sometimes I'm too loud for a moment. I see the cat wake up and like turn and stare at me. And I'm like, you sleep. 17 hours a day. I cannot take this from you. And if it weren't for your yapping, I could be sleeping 18 hours a day. <laughs> He's like, quit your yapping, woman. 
Oh, we have so much yapping to do today, though. We've got we've got manga to talk about. Can, um, can I not interrupt? a whole ton of series? Can I interrupt? But some crazy ones. Please yes. interrupt. I want to just very quickly note the very cool aesthetic decision you've made to look like a, a Yankee character in a, like a school thing where you have like a shirt, but then you have the coat that you don't have your arms in. It just hangs over it's, you. It's it is. just cold enough that I want it around my shoulders, but it's not cold enough that I want my arms in the sleeves. It, like, is it's, such, it has nothing to do with trying to look cool. It is such a cool look, though. Like, I mean, it's like baby blue and it's orange. Not. So, I mean, maybe this, not the school this, colors this, you're looking for, but this is. This is Florida Gators blue and orange, like the most garish color combination you could possibly ask for. Not just blue and orange, but this shade of blue and orange. (laughs) We would get it would be so much easier to rep the colors of the first school that the first university I attended if they would just like had slightly darker blue, just (laughs) or slightly less blindingly i was gonna say like, uh, a, a poisonous <laughs> orange yeah poison dart frog orange to let <laughs> everyone know that you're <laughs> a danger to be around yeah except instead of you know warning people away because you know we're poisonous to the touch just warn people away because you know we we throw shitty parties <laughs> not you I, I, not me I, collective I, we collective we yeah <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told the story of actually attending a college party before. Because <laughs> that's something I have done in a very technical sense. Oh, yeah? Because, look, most of the most of my parties were actually just, like, meeting up with my D&D group to play for four hours. But there was a time, uh, I was, like, my junior or senior year, uh, and as happened at least once a year at the apartment complex where I lived, someone pulled the fire alarm as a prank. And so we all had to wait outside. Uh, so it was a bunch of us just like waiting outside for the fire department to show up so that they could tell us, okay, there's nothing wrong. Go back inside after we had sat out there for, you know, an hour. Uh, and uh, so one of the times that this happened, there was this guy who happened to live in the apartment below where me and my roommates lived. And he said, you know what? I want, I want like something to kind of come out of this. Cause like, Hey, you know, we've all just kind of like met each other and stuff. So like anyone here who wants to, like, I'm going to like throw a party next week. You all are invited. And it was like, you know, why not? I, I'll, I'll go and see what this is about. So I went downstairs. Turns out it was a college party that had beer and I don't drink. Like I just, it, it's just a thing that I just don't do because I don't trust myself to get drunk. Uh, so, I'm just kind of like uncomfortably like sitting around while everyone around me is gradually getting more and more intoxicated. One of their roommates occasionally get comes out really angry because she's trying to sleep for a midterm the next day, oh and her God. roommates have decided to go to a party. There's a guy who there's a guy there who had literally never drunk before, and he got smashed while everyone's playing beer pong and stuff. And after about two, honestly, I think I gave it a good two hours before I was eventually like, okay, I gave it the old literally the old college try yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna go up to my room and i'm never coming back here again and i'm never doing this again uh but it was eye-opening yeah. <laughs> to say the least like oh wow literally like everything that people think about college parties is one billion percent true like <laughs> so what do you think you did when you you left that party and went upstairs like what was like the activity you were like i'm going to enjoy this now 
I think I probably got in an online role playing group with some of my online friends and played for a couple hours. Like that's, just you. That's why we're doing a manga podcast, Nick. Exactly. That's the, people yeah. we are. the one introvert in the room full of extroverts just be like, I don't want to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go play D and D. I'm gonna go pretend to be an elf now. <laughs> so yeah, that's my story of going to college parties and getting crazy. Hell yeah. Um. All right. I think we should, even though we don't have less yeah. series to talk about, we should still talk about these series. So there is no My Hero Academia, um, no Black Clover, no Black Clover. But we did get news, Nick. Something might yep. be rejoining the recap. Oh, really? I don't. It, if it, you you may not have heard because it should not have uh, been announced. But Screen Link Screen Rant accidentally posted the the news article today. Code, oh yes Dancha is making an app that will essentially from what i understand okay. function is like a manga plus with the simul pubs of all of its or not all of its uh many of its series including in zero so sometime in may explain, when that explains announced. why they didn't renew their contract because yeah. they're like no we're putting out our own app so which makes sense yeah uh yeah. so sometime in may I, I don't remember the exact date uh, i think the official announcement will be like a couple days from now uh we'll try it we'll see i have no idea how this app is going to function i don't know if it's free i don't know if like you have to pay to access i don't know like is it twenty dollars a month <laughs> or is it like three chapters back do you only get the yeah. most i have no idea how it's going to work but theoretically we will be able to get eden zero back in the recap and not too late, Nick, because I don't know if you've been following the spoilers, but it sounds like Draco Joe might be coming a good guy. Oh my god. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Nick, you, you won't understand the context for this, but he only kills animals, not people. All right, so <laughs> we're uh Undead Unluck. Uh this is uh number one fifty no more war. Uh how can you like even if it weren't this massive you know vietnam ish kind of setting how can you not see that and not like want to break out into a billion protests yeah um so it opens creed has woken up and fuko's like oh good you're awake oh if you're worried about all that we basically because like creed's like who are you people what's going on and fuko's like i'd love to answer all your questions doesn't seem to be the time right now the battlefield is currently being air bombed by creed's side um it is worth noting although creed does seem to be very heavily characterized as like american uh mm -hmm. there are not american flags on these things so it is not beyond the realm of possibilities that like I don't want to say nations don't exist, like UMA nations doesn't exist, but uh, <laughs> I, I have to assume that this isn't specifically America, but this is very clearly America, so I'm just going to call it Schmerica. Um So Creed's like, Schmerica's bombing the, all my people. The uh, randomly gathered together um, territories of America. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh He's angry because he's like, our own men are still down there. and Or no, she's rather, he's like, oh, they're bombing us. Fuko's like, wait, your own guys are still down there. And Creed's like, I just assumed they were going to do this shit from the start. That ancient weapon is powerful enough to rule the whole world. So there's no way they were going to let us live knowing that. Uh, so they were going to kill us all the time. We were always disposable pawns. 
Um, then Creed has a fantastic immortal line where he goes, Those rat bastards! What was this even for? Wasn't the whole point to decrease the number of these? He has gotten so much less cool in this loop. I, <laughs> that is your opinion. I, I love he's gone wholeheartedly into this fucking decrease thing. I, every time that he has a quote unquote dramatic line, I'm, I, I just think, well, why? Why does this guy have to talk? Okay. Hey, Craig, do you want to go grab something? And he's like, oh, do you mean to ma- do, do an event to decrease the amount of hunger in my body? Sure. <sighs> yeah, yeah, okay, buddy. Hey, Craig, do you want wait, to we, wait, if, if, wait, if four of us uh, split a, a, a large serving, it'll decrease the cost of the meal. <laughs> you want you want to go out for a run like oh what decrease the amount of calories i have to burn for the day absolutely that sounds like a good idea like great can you i i need to talk to you do yes. you let's let's decrease the amount of tension between us okay thank you um <laughs> i am concerned that you are physically <laughs> uncapable of, of saying something without the word decrease being in it are you saying that I need to decrease my lack of vocabulary? <laughs> no, I feel like you've decreased your vocabulary a lot. You've both <laughs> done a great job at that, but that is not what your power does. <laughs> Shows what you know. <laughs> you've just decreased our friendship. <laughs> uh Okay, maybe I went too far. So no, no, no. I I want to be left alone. I, I I just want to I just want to be with my stories and 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 decrease the amount of um, the amount of tears in my body. <laughs> they aren't stored in your body. It's not like there's a tank of water that's just reserved for tears. Creed, you know this, right? He's like, no, I really decreased my knowledge of the human body by not paying attention in school. <laughs> Just lifted weights and thought about blowing things up. <laughs> or, sorry, decreasing the number of things that were blown up. He starts panicking. He's like, oh. Um, oh. So, yeah, he's he's upset. He's like, they're playing on using discs. They're going to use it. You know, they're going to keep this war as a deterrent. That's all these things. And all these people thought they were joining this war to decrease the number of wars. Uh, but they all have to. Why is it? Or... And Fuko's like, hey, Creed, let's steal this together. If Disc is the cause of this war, and then we obtain it, they will lose their reason to fight. And now that this war is escalated, that's the only way to stop it. So please help us, and then you won't have to lose any more comrades. And Creed looks over, and he sees that uh, many of his comrades, maybe all of them, I assume some may have died. It's There's like, at least three. Yeah, they are also underneath the, the giant unbreakable shield. So Fuko's like, yeah, they all came to rescue you. We explained the situation, took them under our wing. Creed's like, all right, uh, I will help. Cut over to Billy, who is watching things happen. He's managed to uh, stumble upon Tella, and he's just like, oh my god, the the company that we worked for is bombing us. Like, they were going to abandon us. He gets to Tella, and he's like, what's happening? And Tella still can't speak. He's trying mm-hmm. to say something. He's literally just, like, choking on his words. Uh, and he's like, oh, it must be shell shock. I can't blame him. I got to do something. And he's like, hey, 
it's all right. You tend to lose your composure when it comes to others. And I told you, you don't have your sense of responsibility is just too strong. So tell me something for everyone's sake. Don't rush. Just tell me. I don't need words or machines to understand. I'll ask one question at a time and I'll basically listen to your heartbeat to determine what the answer is. Uh, so that's what happens. He uses uh, his daredevil super sense, not his negator ability, just the thing nope. he has uh, yep. to basically figure out the answers. And he's like, okay, so these people are headed towards disc. That settles it. I'll head over that way too. Um, and basically saying like, I'm kind of curious to know what their role in all this is, what the third dog's trying to do. Uh, you go reconvene with Beta Squad, basically. I'm going to go uncover their true motives. Um, the group is is pushing forward. There's soldiers. They're, like, air bombing them from above. Creed's like, I'll attack these guys with my undecrease. You know, uh, Yasuai gets to, like, do our big crescent moon attack. All these things are, are very cool. Fuko's like, hey, don't worry. A little present for me. Rubber bullets designed just for you so you don't have to kill any of these people. Even though I assume if you shot a lot of rubber bullets out of a million, oh, yeah. eventually the concussive force would kill somebody. But here it's just cute and funky. Like, oh, I'm unconscious now. Um... And we see Billy is looking on from afar. He's watching a cliff as this group continues on. And uh, everybody is like walking, you know, looking uh, forward as Disc starts to ascend from the ground because Fuko and Gina went ahead. And uh, the chapter ends with uh, Billy basically saying, like, let me have a look at your true motives as they power up disc and it listens to the sky and fuko's like all right all this war nonsense is about to be no more because what is it good for absolutely nothing oh wait yeah. uh absolutely decreasing nothing <laughs> does that make sense no Damn. so <laughs> um yeah uh i don't like creed he's lame uh <laughs> And a lot of this chapter doesn't really do it for me. However, we'll say, give me that bill, give me that Billy and Tella shipping right now. Yeah. Holy shit, they are definitely boyfriends. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Like, he's like, I'm gonna listen to your heartbeat. I don't know everything you're trying to say, and I'm like, miss okay, me, miss me with that creepy father daughter, but also shipped together. Billy and Tatiana nonsense. No, no, no. Clearly, Tatiana is their adopted daughter. Like, Aww. fuck off. I love it. I'm going to write the fan picture for it. Uh, yeah, I like that part a lot. I, I don't mind the Creed stuff. As I said, like, I, 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 if only a couple characters do it, it's very funny to me that there's somebody who just really buys into their gimmick way too much, like, to a point you're just like, all right, chill, man. <laughs> this is my thing now. <laughs> Kayfabe's been broken. All right, I get it. <laughs> um, and I do like kind of the end of like all these characters looking up at the spectacle of this thing rising out of the ground. You get a lot of different reactions. You know, you have like Creed looking on in like shock and like Nico and, and uh, Ichika being like so excited. And then like Sean and Yasui, who haven't seen this much weird shit yet, who are just like, what the fuck is happening? So cool stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's jump from there over to Chainsaw Man. And guys, I feel like something had kind of been missing from Chainsaw Man for a while. 
which was Bombing. horny, but also weird creature designs. Mommy. It's mommy both. is what you're looking for. The word it's you're looking for both. is mommy. Uh, so we saw the mass of bodies that had fallen uh, from people, you know, falling to the desk outside of the apartment building that also was passing by, start to come together in a weird sort of bipedal form. Lots of limbs and stuff. And as uh, Yoru uh, decides, enough of this, I'm out of here, and decides to book it, uh, one of the bodies gets lifted up and has its head wrenched and twisted off and then held, not attached to the bodies on top. Specifically, it is held in the place where a head would be on a humanoid figure. It never grows a neck and attaches or anything. Yeah. Very cool uh, design aesthetically. It is. It's a, it's a nice it's a nice touch, and it starts talking for the body. And the first thing it does is look down and go, "Oh, I'm being quite indecent." And so one of the hands lifts up, and a chef's uniform appears over the body. Uh, and she introduces herself as the Falling Devil. Uh, <laughs> which. Uh, Worth noting, uh, Fujimoto listed one of uh, their favorite movies last year as The Menu, and a lot of this makes sense when you've seen ah, that. Okay. Um, I don't really understand what this has to, what falling has to do with the chef's uniform. No, but nothing at all. I think he just saw the menu, thing. and he's like, "Creepy chefs, is a wild fucking thing." Yeah. <laughs> So while the head is bleeding ev from every orifice, it's also talking for the falling devil and says, I'm visiting at the request of the residents of hell. A word of warning. Those who don't finish their food will taste death. Uh, while continuing to go on the spiel, Yoru is berating us and be like, will you stop it? Stop it. It's, it's really powerful because of your negative feelings, which I mean, Asa's gotten in so much trouble and had so many tragedies happen to her specifically because she's tripped and fallen. So that kind of makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but Yoru brings up the point of like, you're the only one of us who can actually create strong weapons. So I need you to fucking step out of this so I can fight. Uh, uh, and the chef falling devil says, for the first course, my hors d'oeuvre, la lutte von la. And make some hand signs. And we get a flashback. This is so bad. This is I so hate I hate it. But I did realize something afterwards that made me smile. Mm. So after Asa's mom dies, uh, she is in the foster home. She's got a cat hanging out with her. It's a very good cat. It's the cat she saved. Remember, she saved a cat, and that's that's why mm -hmm. her mom died. And uh, the cat's perched on her shoulders. Oh, good kitty. So <clears throat> the caretaker comes over to her and says, "Hey, uh, why don't we have my friend who likes cats take care of your cat? Because one of the other kids who's staying here is allergic, and this is really unhealthy for you because you depend on the cat's companionship instead of interacting with other people." And Asa says, uh, "No, I don't want to." So the caretaker sits down with her and says, look, all the, all the orphans here are here because devils killed their parents, including my mom, who was killed by the typhoon devil. But 
they can laugh and play outside because they've become a family here. And your cat is the only cat here. Don't you think he'd be happier living at my friend's house with other cats? And Asa thinks for a second and she says, Crambon. His name's Crambon. Make him happy. And she holds out Crambon. Take I him love away. Crambon. Mm. Crambon's dead. Oh! <laughs> Just no! Like, the reveal happens immediately. There is no beating around the bush. Like she, the one night she goes to sleep, her friend says, uh, "Yeah, when we went down to the river to play, there was a cat that looked like yours at the bottom of the river." And um, when uh, the caretaker comes in to check on them, uh, Asa looks there and says, "Crambon's okay, right?" And she just does not even pretend she just this looks at her and says just like fuck you. she's so evil just says everyone here lost their family you can't be the only one with a family member isn't that unfair all right belly oh. so i assume she's been uh she was uh decapitated right there uh head put on a pike <laughs> or we're saving it so we could just watch her get hit by like the nuke devil <laughs> For all the things that have happened in Chainsaw Man, this is somehow still one of the most evil beings that we've met. She well, just kills a cat it's for no reason. It's because we've seen cats be like the one thing that seems to escape the cruelty of Fujimoto's world most of the time. Like, yeah. Meowie wasn't killed. This cat was saved from the Typhoon Devil. Denji saved that cat during like the first uh, appearance in, in part two. Like we've been conditioned to think that like cats, because they are, are so awesome that they're safe in this universe. So to hear that one is killed is like very distressing. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Asa kind of snaps to in the present, she has started to fall upward. And there's a cool inverted shot where uh, she's clinging to a guardrail on the side of the road while her body is being dragged upwards. Uh, and uh, actually, I, th I can't really tell. No, that is actually Asa who's got who's in control right now. Uh, and it's established why later yeah. as people other people start to fall upwards into the sky and the falling devil says, the lower the heart sinks, the higher the body falls. That's the concept of this dish. May the flavor of past traumas delight your taste buds. And one of the guys that has fallen up through the air falls through a door in the sky. I'm sure nothing bad happens beyond that door. I'm sure that door, everything's a-okay. He's like, oh, cotton candy. <laughs> and then the door closed. Y'all like, oh, I want cotton candy. Uh -huh. Cotton candy is an hors d'oeuvre, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a real fun dish. I can feel it. Uh, and things are really bad for Asa right now because, especially because her terror is so great that Yoru can't enter her body in order to control her dirt while they're in danger. So it's up to Asa to, I guess, stop being afraid of things she's afraid of. Uh, yeah, this is a very distressing chapter uh, on all fronts, I have to say. There's the, there's the cat killing and also just like the way that Asa is being shown in danger. Like it really does actually feel in this time like, oh, she could die <laughs> because this thing's terrifying and how she's supposed to do anything to fight back. Yeah, this is rough. Uh, the thing I realized, I don't think Asa's going to mm -hmm. die here. That'd be pretty sad. Uh, right. And I like to think she's going to grow closer with Denji. 
And then she can get to know Meowie. Meowie. See? That'd be nice. Yeah. A cat will get her love. Uh, that's my hope. Uh, if Fujimoto betrays that, uh, I'll cry. I can't do anything. You can't stop it. <laughs> uh, so I just hope he has that weighing on his conscience as I sob. Fry <laughs> uh, gets the power. Uh, this is a great, this is the coolest fucking chapter. Like, I also enjoyed the menu a lot. So, like, just seeing the motif on the devil makes me happy because i remember how creepy it was from that it doesn't make again a ton of sense in context of why the falling devil is like i'm an evil chef (laughs) and you're like okay (laughs) Uh, but this design is so cool like i mean i'm not horny for mommy energy or anything i just think it's visually cool but i am really impressed at how quickly everyone has been like I love the horny mommy falling devil. This is the greatest. <laughs> um, it, it was so far outside of my uh, my strike zone that it didn't even occur to me that people would be super horny for this. And then you said that, and I was like, oh, yeah, of course they are. <laughs> I, I only, I, I would assume it's not for, for the most part, uh, but I've spent a lot of time around Austin Yorsky, uh, who is uh, super horny for Elish Norn from Magic the Gathering, who is like, oh, she's like half porcelain, half sinew. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, that's kind of creepy. So sex, on, so sex on legs, you're saying? <laughs> Essentially. And then I sent him a picture of the falling devil, and, like, I just got a response like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know exactly what the context was. Didn't get to hear it. But in my mind, that was him being like, Ooh, oh, my and God. Then, yeah, who knows? So all right, um, gotta put a lid on this. So. Yeah, we'll never, we'll never hear from Austin again. He's just gonna take this chapter, close up in his room, and uh, you know whatever happens there is between. That's him what and God. happens in that. That's what happens in that door. In this oh, guy. that's true. That's the wank door. You love Dommy Mommy so much. You go up there. You just get to spend all your time. <laughs> all these doors. You just hear a rhythmic pounding behind them. You're just like, yeah, this is revolting. Is the revolting devil actually the bad one here? It's actually like all the all the people that are flowing up to this guy are like, oh my god, she's so hot, and and yours just be like, Asa, Asa, stop being horny for her, stop it. <laughs> I can't. Why is it's so much hotter that her head's not on a neck? It's just being held up by extra arms. <laughs> oh god. Um. Okay. So I guess we'll move on. Then. Let's talk a bit about Akane Banashi, story 53. Fascinating news! Ooh. Ooh. So, uh, Kaisei uh, has uh, just finished up his very powerful performance that featured a big contrast between him being all seductive and sexy and then being very creepy and terrifying. And uh, so everyone is totally you know, blown away by all this. And a lot of the people that are backstage are talking about, you know, how incredibly gifted Kaisei is. Uh, one of the uh, one of the one of the senza saying like, "Oh man, is he gonna actually like just become a Shiduchi really soon?" Uh, even though he's so young and hasn't been going for very long, uh, and Akane is of course just kind of like quietly standing there, staring out on stage while everyone around her says all this stuff. Uh, and she just quietly thinks to herself, he's a massive wall. Not just because those two, referring to uh, Rokuro and Urara, said so. It's, you know, this guy's a Rakugoka who is not that far from me in age, and he's already received Isho's stamp of approval. 
I mean, if I can surpass him, then I'll be able to definitely become a Shinji really soon, I think. And I want to surpass him. I need to surpass him. But he's so far away. And it the view changes to her, you know, like instead like watching Kai save like through a screen like further away than we know that she's actually standing from him based on previous shots. And there's this cool moment where she thinks to herself, like, does he just feel so much further away now because he's gotten better in the past year? Well, maybe that's part of it. But I think the biggest reason is that I've gotten better, too. So I've developed the ability to understand just what makes his art so special. And she thinks back to when she was, you know, this young and younger, cockier uh, apprentice at the start of the series. And she says... I didn't know a thing when I said I was going to just catch up to him. Kaise finishes up his performance uh, and the story goes that uh, Toyoshiga, the uh, woman who threatened vengeance against uh, her younger husband, if he ever dared cheat on her, uh, was so terrifying that he was like, I'm going to go stay in my uncle's house. Uh, And then she clawed her own throat out and she wrote a letter that said there is no man more unfaithful than you so if you ever take another wife i'll curse her to death and then i will curse the next all the way to your seventh which is it's a nice big number for you know taking wives but i don't know why you would stop there at that point but 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 she said the seventh and that's the one i'll stop at i guess uh, and we finish on this you know, being like, oh, this is the horror-themed Kaidan Banashi ghost story of Kasanegafushi Swamp, the death of Toyoshiga. And it's this big two-page spread with Kaisei like, just kind of solemnly like finishing his story while the mottled, zombified corpse of Toyoshiga is, has her arms around him. Uh, gross! But uh, it's also a really neat contrast. Like you can tell how much more modeled and dirty she is compared to him. The next person to go after Kaisei tries to do uh, a Tenjiki story, you know, about like the fart story. And uh, everyone's still thinking about that. That, that really creepy uh, ghost story. So no one's really, no one's appreciating these awesome fart jokes. Like, I... Uh, if I was a Rakugoka, I would do nothing but the, <laughs> the fart stories and like demand that I go on right after the most serious performers. Like, but, but, but then you would also be going to say, I love teaching. <laughs> like it just finishes the story. It's like, that was the last time I ever said a word to my mother and then they click the curtain closes open back up and i'm just like y'all hear about them golds and then there's hills <laughs> no <laughs> suddenly whatsoever they're like i hate damn bojacks and the rakugoka she sucks so much <laughs> all she does is slap her body and make fart sound effects no, no, I got a story for you all. This is the story of Jigabud, something that. God is gold! 
half the time she just forgets the story she's supposed to be telling. I don't get it. <laughs> she gets lost halfway through, fills in the blank spaces with hand boating, and then just starts screaming about gold. <laughs> and then makes fart noises for 13 minutes. Or you could like choose the most dramatic story that goes on in the show and then just immediately follow up by telling the same story while adding farts out of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and she's like, I'd curse you if you have a bet with another woman. <laughs> I guess it doesn't seem all that scary now when you think about it. Yeah. You're like, oh, this ghost could fart? Oh, they're human then. I'm not afraid of them anymore. <laughs> Everyone has that very specific <laughs> realization. It's, I mean, let's be honest. If you're being chased by Jason Voorhees and he just rips <laughs> one and he's like, oh, oh I'm so sorry. <laughs> he's like, you're hiding underneath the bed. He's like, like, oh, <laughs> like shaking his leg. You're like, this guy oh. isn't so scary. He's pathetic. <laughs> but then there's one guy who's like, <laughs> stabs him. <laughs> oh, no, he's got a new weapon for luring out teenagers to kill him. <laughs> contagious part. He preys on our immature sense of humor. <laughs> he looks around. He's like, like a call and response. <laughs> so one part, she's like, boom, stab. This is the dumbest thing we've ever done on this show. I don't know, I feel like. In 16 years or however long this podcast has been going, I don't think we've ever been dumber than this moment. <laughs> Alright. So... Anyway, everyone backstage is like, yeah, everyone's still like really blown away by how creepy the ghost story is. And now we've got this really immature fart story going on. Uh, so I don't know if the things are going to really work. And and they're also just kind of everyone's just kind of like acknowledging. I mean, this guy's supposed to be like in our class, so to speak. He's a peer of ours, but there's no way we can actually compete with this guy. Uh, Kaise comes to meet with Akane later uh, and he says, huh, do you enjoy the show? And she just kind of glowers at him while grimacing. So he says, okay, look, here's the deal. Master Iken, that's the mustachioed uh, master who was one of the judges, uh, he's gathered up all the Arakawa school futatsume who will lead the next generation in order to put on a four-person event. Those he has invited so far are Master Zensho's apprentice, Yuzen Arakawa, Master Shikama's apprentice, Koguma Arakawa, which, of course, Akane reacts to you like, oh, well, he's doing some. And me, Kaisai Arakawa. The four-person event currently has three members lined up, and the remaining slot will go to a Zenza, I hear. That slot will be given to the first-place contestant at this summer's Arakawa school, Zenza Rensaikai, a training event, uh, which Iken is going to be judging. So, Kaisa says that Akane's got the opportunity to be one of the four that will be performing together, along with Koguma and Kaisei, who's you know, her rival. And Kaisei's like, hey, that's it, bye. Uh, so, but Akane stops him, and uh, she starts to refer to him as Kaisei Arakawa, but then she's like, I mean, Kaisei Anisan. So, much more respectful, familiar term. Uh, and she says, look, thanks for telling me about this, but why are you doing this for me? And Kaisei says, don't get the wrong idea. It's not you I'm interested in. It's the story you're going to tell. Ooh, echoes of, of Isho Arakawa. So, yeah. So, a, a neat chapter. Yeah, uh, fun I, chapter. I, 
Yeah, I like uh, just this big. Oh, Akai's got like a big, proper, imposing rival to overcome. But because, you know, we were saying a couple months ago, like, you know, Kaisei hasn't really done a whole lot. I feel like he's supposed to be important. Oh, yeah, he's supposed to be important. Here you go. Uh, so it's been a nice uh, reintroduction to him. Yeah, in these I mean, last few chapters. it's weird. So much has happened in Akai Banashi, and yet it's still only in like 53 chapters. So mm-hmm. you do forget, like, oh, yeah, these characters I haven't seen in a while. It's like, well, that's just because they're not there and i think the the like idea i'm most intrigued by is like hey there's gonna be this tournament uh or not tournament this contest it's basically going to be determined who gets to go into this this four-person event and like we know three of the people and one of the people is one of akane's you know former uh i guess still technically uh like fellow students her senpai, basically. Um, yeah, but she doesn't really spend as a lot of time in that school anymore and is learning from other people. So it's it's like a very interesting thing to be like, oh, she's going to go up against one of those. Well, hopefully uh, one of those people like we, we get to know what's coming in the future to get excited about. But then it's like, OK, well, I'll this tournament, which is where it's like, all right, now it's time for us to like get. <sighs> it's tough for me to still get excited about like the actress girl. Because, like, she hasn't, like, right. shown me yet that she's, like, super cool or anything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see how that goes. Like, it, it's it's intriguing knowing there's something exciting waiting beyond this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a nice uh, early arc uh, set of chapters we've had as we kind of move past Akane, you know, uh, Akane's big accomplishment while training with Urara. And uh, expanding her comfort zone and everything uh, to, okay, you know, here's the next big hurdle for her, for her to overcome. And it's, you know, it keeps that kind of, you know, structured shonen approach, like, okay, tournament uh, kind of arc, uh, and we'll see how she goes. Yeah. Let's do some blue box. Chapter 92, whenever you're struggling, uh, we got some color pages at the start of this, some really nicely colored uh, pages, very kind of classical look to everything. Yeah, Uh, excellent. Taiki last time uh, approached Yumeka with a ticket for uh, uh, Chinatsu's uh, basketball tournament uh, just after, of course, Yumeka and Chinatsu had had this big confrontation where there was a lot of bad feelings explored between the both of them. Uh, and also Chinatsu, of course, you know, had, had basically talked about how important Taiki was to her. And now Taiki is here. And uh, of course, he manages to get to her and then he immediately has to crouch because it's like, oh, my legs, uh, because he just finished his shuttle running contest competition with Matsuoka. So Yumika immediately like is like, why are you trying to give me this ticket? That you sh- Isn't that something you should go to? Uh, it would make it'd also make not so happier if you were to go. Uh, but Taiki says, well, it can't be me because when it comes to basketball, it's got to be you. And wouldn't it be nice just just to go see an old friend play? And anyway, I went through a lot to get this ticket, so don't waste it. He, he literally takes her hand to put the ticket in it. Uh, and he says, I'm asking this as a favor and just leaves and leaves her with the ticket. Uh, we cut over to Matsuoka and a few he's he's resting, lying back while a few people are like, man, can't believe that that first year beat him. Uh, and Matsuoka thinks to when he and Taiki were competing and Matsuoka like, why are you who are you going to give the ticket to that you're working this hard for? 
and Taiki just kind of looked at him, but he said, I mean, you don't have to tell me. I mean, I'll just ask the girls' team later who it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he's not an idiot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty sensible. So Taiki just st- says, like, it's for Yumeka, uh, which Matsuoka, you know, is aware of because he used to like be, go do basketball stuff in the area. It's, uh, it's very weird to me. Because, like, I've watched JoJo fights where characters will literally be like, in this point fifth of a second, I'm going to carry on a conversation. But I don't know why it is wild to me that these boys are running full force. <laughs> and they're being like, so what are you going to do with the ticket? Like, it's one of those things that, like, I'm like, I, I, like, I don't want to say, like, oh, my suspension of disbelief was shattered. But I was definitely just like, how are these fuckers speaking right now? Mm-hmm. Uh... So Matsuoka points out to Taiki, like, hey, isn't it kind of late to try and do something that involves her? Like, she quit, and it'll probably be hard for her to hear anything that people on this side say, which is a very weird way of putting, like, still involved in sports, but (laughs) whatever. He's an athlete. Of course, he gets a little bit dramatic when talking about sports. Uh, But he also points out it's not like she can come back to AMA. So... Yeah, that would definitely be a hurdle to have to overcome, even if things got good between Yumeka and Chinatsu when she wanted to rejoin her. It was like, oh, well, how do you handle, like, transferring schools and all that shit? Uh, But uh, Saiki says, like, yeah, there are some things that you can't do anything about. But to Chinatsu-senpai, Yumeka isn't someone who's only a part of her past. She'll always be a part of her. The Chinatsu-senpai that I fell for is who she is because of Yumeka. And I want the two of them to get along. It's my own selfish wish. But it's not that selfish. That's I think that's a really nice sentiment. It's um, good that he acknowledges that there's a level of himself that wants this. Absolutely. That's, that's I think, an important thing. But yeah. Uh, so Haru comes over to Matsuoka to talk to him. Is like, yeah, I think that if you hadn't slipped on that sweat on the ground that you might have gone for a bit longer so it looks like he just kind of you know slipped and stumbled and so it's like oh he stopped running so that's that's it um but Masoka says like i don't know he he beat me fair and square and harry points out like you spent all morning doing laps you were already tired out uh but Masoka's like nah i thought i could win still and i challenged him so harry says well that's your weakness maybe if you'd gone all out you could have won Mm. Are we gonna get a Matsuoka redemption arc? <laughs> I mean, these are all kids. It's not nope, like he's, he's, evil. He, and his big crime was just being slightly a jerk to another kid. Uh, <laughs> nope, he's he's uh, banned for life. Banned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we cut over to Chinatsu at that moment, who is in uh, the the in Taiki's house. And she were you trying to remember what their name was yep inamata uh, so. inamata household yep uh so she notices something when she looks at her cactus uh but then she goes out uh and uh she you know is walking along the road she spots taiki who is gone full old man mode because his legs are so sore gotta <laughs> gotta got walk and stick Ugh. so she says, uh, what are you doing here? I thought you were practicing. He's like, I had an errand to run. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with you. <laughs> uh, 
so she looks at him and she takes out a towel and she wipes away some sweat that's trailing down his the side of his head. Uh, and uh, he says, well, what was that for? And, and she says, well, if you're if you're sweaty and you don't wipe it off, you could catch a cold again. Uh, and uh, it's like he starts to say, well, it's your towel. She's like, I mean, it's it's it, it, I haven't used it. It's fine. Uh, he starts to sneeze and then she just gives him this very blank look, which is like, yeah, I told you, fucking told you you get a cold. And then she gives him her jacket, uh, and a nice twist on things. Uh, and, uh, so Taiki says like, where are you copying me? I would never, but she says, you've given me so much. I need to return the favor now and then. I wonder what you'll give me next time. Says Taiki. Aww. Uh, and then he's like, ah, I'm just kidding. Ah, I was joking. Ah, da, 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 da. Oh, I can't run away because my legs hurt so much. <laughs> I can't scream and run away anymore. Ah. So, you know, they start having, you know, just like exchanging pleasantries and stuff. And while Taiki thinks to himself, I mean, she's the one who's given me so much. But Shinatsu says, well, then, whenever you're struggling, I'll be by your side. And there's just this, you know, big two page spread, just the two of them looking at each other. Yeah. And, uh, Taiki blushes because I mean like even if there is like no romantic interest that's just a very like very intimate honestly thing for two teenagers to share like I'll always be there for you that's a very sweet thing and just so, like the friends like, theme song yeah when the rain kind of. starts to fall yes she'll be there for you yeah, yeah. uh so Taiki's like okay yeah I'll, who I'll would be that, the best friend friend's character to actually be there for you when the rain starts to fall metaphorically because all Me the metaphorically i was gonna say like <laughs> when it literally starts to rain monica uh, would have an umbrella monica yeah. monica absolutely but metaphorically i'm like ooh, so many of these people are not good with handling other people's issues no. <laughs> like there's there's no. not like one person that i'm like it depends on the issue that you're experiencing house uh, blew up House blew up. Chandler. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. He's going to um, make me laugh. Well, not just that, but also like he just kind of like, you know, is like financially responsible. <laughs> oh, OK. And he's like, um, I don't think you should have canceled your house insurance for <laughs> tickets to see <laughs> Top Gun Maverick seven months after it was out of theaters. I don't know why that was your two budget concerns. Um, uh, like relationship problems. I don't know. Maybe Joey, honestly, because like he make you feel he make you he be like ah, 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 whatever. <laughs> oh, did you brush my did you brush your did you brush your teeth with that? I farted on that. Oh, <laughs> like thank you, Joey. Uh, if I was trying to get over a person, like I, I had a breakup and I was needing to get over them, I think Joey'd be the right call. But if I'm just mm -hmm. like forlorn about a relationship, I don't know if Joey's the right one. I feel like no. that's where you'd want like a Phoebe. You can't have a serious conversation with him. Yeah, you'd want like a Phoebe no. there or something like that. Because she doesn't exactly know, but she's going to have some anecdote. And again, you got to laugh. You know, because your house just blew up yeah. and your, your partner broke <laughs> up with you. <laughs> the rain starts to fall, Nick. Who will be there for you? Uh, in, any in any case, I don't think it's ever Ross. I don't think I ever. <laughs> it could be a dinosaur-related problem. I'm still not calling Ross. 
I'll be like, there's like a fossil in my backyard, and I don't know it's what like, no fossil matter, it is, but it, you, I will have any kind of problems, and then somehow it will still somehow end up being about you instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't need you coming in and kind of extra bumming me out. So. Oh, so your partner broke up with you, but were you on a break? Oh my God, Ross, you need to stop I was this. on you a break once. No. <laughs> I was like, you married her at the end. I don't understand. Why are you still And angry? then he ate my sandwich? Oh my God, you've got to let things go. <laughs> oh, um... Say, I only know all these friends jokes because I watched the entire thing with Nicole. Aww. <laughs> it was a great bonding experience. Yeah. Uh, we're getting away from the very sweet moment that happens in this chapter. Sorry. Yeah, they say I'll be by your side, just like the friends characters do. Nick, yeah, which friends, like friends character would you like to stop quit? <laughs> uh so yeah, um, they just kind of like are like, yeah, I'll just always be there for you. And then as they just kind of walk down the road together, we cut back to the Yamada household, and uh, Chinatsu's cactus started to blossom. There's a little flower in it, and then oh, mm-hmm. I Flat remember what that means. Are blooming I remember what that feeling. Means. It's this is such this is such a sweet chapter. It's. I can't believe how much this makes me happy. <laughs> As it better really does. It's just very sweet. Uh, when, you know, people who admire and care about each other just express that. It's yeah. nice. These, 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 these good kids are, are getting along and I'm happy for them. All right, All right, we need Nick. to change gears. Change gears. You know, <laughs> chunk, chunk, chunk. All right, we're going straight from first gear to more gear. More, more. <laughs> I made a more, ref- uh, like a more bean time reference on Dice Funk, and I realized after I said it, I was like, I said it's Morgan time. I've truly forgotten what the real word is, and I just assume it's morgue all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so it is time for the murder mystery puzzle for the leading private selection exam. Uh, the chapter opens with Toshisai cosplaying as Viroha. Uh, <laughs> she strikes a pose I did not even realize had kind of become his signature. But when you see her do it, it's like, yeah, that 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 actually kind of looks like Viroha, like the, the the weird hand gestures and just the kind of the bent elbows and stuff. And also, she rolls up her sleeves like Hiroha does, and yeah. uh, and and Hiroha's like, "Oh my God, she's pretending to be me," and everyone thinks it's funny. And I totally understand that. Like, oh, you didn't under you didn't realize how much people kind of like paid attention to your eccentricities and had totally picked them. So it does, it's a good way to make you feel self conscious. Yeah. Uh, we get our title, which is a knight's code upon solution. Which is one of the less weird chapter titles we've gotten for Cypher Academy. It's still something, though. It it really is something. Uh, We get a a brief introduction to the four people that Iroha is going to be competing with, including all their glasses weapons. Uh, One of which is not helpful to solving puzzles because it just makes you worse at it. It's for, it's for trading. It's like when you put it's like when you put a weighted item on on a Pokemon. So it increases its its value. Yeah, uh, it's one of those. Yeah, it's like uh, Cynthia's Militoc, which has fire or flame orb on it. But it's like oh, but then it has a skill that lets it like 
get a big stat increase if it has a status effect. It's a whole thing. Uh, yeah. I like that this series maybe never conceptually was going to be like, so everyone's going to have fancy special glasses that I need to establish. And to reach the point where it's like, uh, this one can see hidden clues. This one isn't there. This one lets you hear clues. This mm-hmm. one is bad at clues. <laughs> this one is a is a teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> uh so we're given uh a kind of like basic, you know, setup for where they're doing this and there's this weird introduction which is it would be too awkward to imitate each other while in class but then question mark so i guess that everyone's i guess also understands that the premise of why they split up is also a little bit shaky but whatever so they go out to the battlefield and which for the for d group that europa belongs to is the photography club room the scene of the murder and there's like you know, a chalk outline for their fictional murdered classmate. And there's 10 dying messages found around the corpse. Uh, and everyone's like, it's actually, I actually find it kind of cute. Everyone is like changing their hair and putting on outfits yeah. so that they can cosplay their classmates. It's actually, I actually really like it's it. It's very adorable. Uh, so Iroha, for example, is dressed up as Obero, so he's got, you know, a mantle on and he's styled his hair to match hers and stuff. And I think he also specifically curled his hair to kind of give him the third eye look. So, yeah. Uh, and also people are kind of like trying to get into uh, into character and stuff. Uh, Karigane, who is one of the newer girls who is playing another character that we don't know, uh <laughs> she mentions a morgue like an actual morgue as in the kind that you know dead people are stored in and iroha is just so in this world at this point that he's that he just thinks did she say morgue like the currency it's like god i'm (laughs) he's like us at this point just morgue uh the first part of the mystery that they have to solve is that those there's 10 clues but there are stars on them, star values on them. Uh, so like in Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, the, the higher the star, the more you have to give up for it. As in, uh, you can only take up to five stars worth and they go from zero all the way to five. Uh, so there's one five clue, one zero clue, and then two of each other value. So Euro is like, okay, should we like each take two? And one of the girls who's just covered in badges, is just like zero, one, one, three, <laughs> taking all this shit. Give me those. <laughs> It's absolutely horrible. Person. You're like, okay, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> so, um, people start grabbing the clues, and Iroha is like hesitates, and it's like, oh, there's either a two star clue or a five star one, and I can only pick one. Uh, so he he does think for a bit, like, okay, presumably the five star one's going to be like really difficult to solve, but it would probably have the most valuable clue. So, do I want the clue that's going to be easier to solve, or what? But he thinks. Obro would have would have picked this one, so he decides to be in character in his selection and take the more the harder, more valuable clue, which is Sat is K two XL. It's a five star puzzle. Nick, Kate? did you solve it? Nope, I did. <laughs> I figured it what out. What is it, Quinn? 
Oh, tell no, me I'm when. not going to tell you until next week or whenever the answer is revealed. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so, uh, Iroa thinks, so like, okay, I've got like my abilities that I can use here, and I need to figure out what my conditions are for winning this and for losing this. So everyone thinks the spy is the killer. And since I'm the spy, I'm the only one who knows that's not true, except for the killer. So someone is trying to frame me, the spy, for the murder. Uh, and he kind of, and he kind of like lays things out in like a scoring pattern of like, okay, if I like you know find the true killer and frame someone else for being the spy, then now that's like a perfect victory for me. But like, if uh, people find out who the spy was and I got blame get blamed for the murder and someone else dies then that'll be really bad for me so and then he also thinks like okay i've got these colored glasses ability on here the four color probability and the resistance to torture so these are the skills that i can use in this game so he just takes a moment to kind of do that while also analyzing everyone else must have similar skills uh he then kind of looks up from that and sees that uh she Shitsuke, I think is her name, uh, just looks a hell of a lot like uh, Yugata, which is a big shock to him. And I do kind of like that it's that that gets it for him because, you know, he's got he had that very harrowing experience with her with Yugata. So when he sees her just adopting that pose, it's like, oh, shit, a bit of a PTSD. Uh, then after everyone's kind of like taking a moment to examine their clues and think over their abilities, they start talking over stuff and all four of the girls start exchanging rapid fire, uh, you know, like exchanging clues, making allegations, uh, declaring that they're using certain skills uh, in order to go through the situation. And they're talking over each other so much that Iroha can't keep up with it. And it's this is all portrayed in this you know big two page spread where everyone's words are crossing over each other. There's this kind of tangle of word bubbles that go on and so Iroha just has like sensory overload so he eventually like thinks about this and is like all right you Nutaba the bandage girl uh, I want to have a secret meeting with you which is a thing that's allowed in the games and so he's like okay look I want to just have a private one-on-one -on -one conversation with you and he actually specifically asks like if they could exchange cards uh and she says nah if uh, if we do one card for one card, sure, but I'm not going to give you five cards worth for your five cards for, for uh, five stars worth for your five stars worth. So you've been pretty gritty about this. And she's like, if you give me your five star card, I'll show you my zero star card. This absolutely <laughs> you're the worst kind of player. Everyone hates playing with you. <laughs> so you're uh, thinks this over and uh, they agrees to it. And when they trade the clues, the only thing that he has is, quote unquote, an overexposed photo. It's just a black screen, which has a zero difficulty, apparently. Uh, but Nick, what if it's like Yami and zero is actually the strongest? Ooh. Uh, so Iroha thinks like, what the hell is this? Oh, but I wonder how she's reacting to the five star one. And literally, like, she's got no poker face. She's like, what the fuck is this clue? Uh, so, yeah, she, seemingly she has no idea of how to solve it. So Iroha, she leaves and Iroha's left by himself in the room. 
and he thinks like, okay, I need to get into this, but there's four different players and each of them are also playing four different characters. So I'm just completely lost as to how I go about this. But then he looks at the, at the photo more closely and he thinks up until now, I've been so focused on looking at things. What if I got rid of the light and he turns the lights out and he just plays back all of the overlapping words in his mind and starts to just filter them out while lying in the dark. And he says, for now, I'm going to just forget about consistency, connection, who said what. And instead of focusing my eyes, I'll close them and concentrate on only that which I can still see. And after a few moments, he says, I see it now. The killer is Shokuho Yorokawa, played by Otama Jakushi Mamushi Hishimeki, <laughs> which is too long a name. So we know from seeing Toshisai's card that according to that, Iroha is the killer, but Iroha has come to a different conclusion, but we were also in the previous chapter that the information they're given is a mix of the truth and the lies. So what is correct? What's the correct version? Is Iroha right in his supposition here or is he on the wrong track? I guess we'll find out soon. Yeah. Uh, cool chapter. I like the little cosplay gimmick. Uh, I really like calling back to, uh, and I've forgotten her name, unfortunately. I can't remember what's name it is, but Ponytail uh, Girl sitting and, like, the character, like, mimicking that enough to, like, scare Iroha all over again. It's, like, a cool thing. Yeah. Good stuff. So the headphones girl is the one that is playing Iroha's uh, choice for the killer uh, in this. So, uh we did have in the chat uh, uh, someone kind of like highlighted the word bubbles that uh, uh, it was, Iroha it was kind Carito, of... wasn't it? It was Carito. Yes, you're right. Yeah, we gotta give props to the femboy yep. connoisseur. Uh, so he. Went They're not all about movie. sending us bad Yaoi series. That's right. Carito went back and took this two-page spread of all the word bubbles and was like, "All right, here's the ones that were." highlighted at the end by your filtering them out and if you look at that you can also see who said what if you very carefully follow the lines from the word bubbles so i wonder if it has to do with like iroha like catching any consistency with what someone said or something like that i haven't had a chance to actually like sit down and like actually follow it and see if that has to do with it uh and maybe it is uh but uh i'm sure that we'll get a at least a look at Iroha's logic for why he's made, got his current suspicion for the murderer. Yes. So, let's go over to uh, Ginka and Luna, shall we? Durndish Verndi. Chapter 25, Memories. So, uh, Ginka is fighting with uh, the bad guy, Magaraka. Magaraka, that's his name. Uh, and Luna realizes, holy shit, Ginka is using up too much magical energy. If he keeps this up, he's going to disappear. He's going to use up all the magical energy that's holding his snowman body together. Uh, Magaraka is fighting with Ginka and just says, yeah, playing with playing with you is not fun anymore. I'm getting tired of this. Uh, and Ginka's just trying to figure out, like, shit, he's, he's too powerful. What do I do? So Luna suddenly stands up 
scratches down and her arm is pulsating and dripping with this magical power that is dripping up out of her. Uh, and Gika tells her, warns her to stop uh, as energy starts to blast out of her arm. And then Gika says, you got to stop. That's that's too much energy. But Luna holds a finger to her head and says, no, I won't. And we get a shot of basically Luna seemingly f- like firing like a bullet into her brain, it seems like, in order to cast this spell. And Luna says to herself, there's a lot of reasons I'm glad that I became a mission. I became a magician. I never get cold. I can heal wounds. I can talk to animals. Uh, and also, I guess it's made me imperturbable. I can tr- I've trained to control my emotions. I can maintain my composure no matter what. It doesn't matter how bad things become. I don't cower and cry like I did when I was a child. But this is the one thing that I can't stand. And she walks into a memory and she's surrounded by snow. And as she does, she is greeted by her younger self, who, you know, the, the, the one that we saw in chapter one, who is all bundled up in winter clothes. And uh, she says, the young Luna says to her, it's been a while. And the two of them watch also young Luna, but this is just a memory of her. <sighs> Carrying her mom's body on her back through the driving snow. And Luna says, this is when mom died and I went to bury her. I remember what happened after this so clearly. The snow had frozen so hard that I couldn't dig through it at all. And young Luna in the memory is stumbling and falling through the snow while carrying her dead mom's body. Uh, And... One of the Lunas asks the other, hey, she keeps falling. Why come all the way out here? Why not just bury her behind the house? And the other says, because this was mother's favorite spot. I thought if I brought her out here, then maybe she would wake up. <sighs> um, we flat cut forward uh, to when Ginka was training with Luna, teaching her to be a magician. And he asked her, why do you want to become a magician anyway? And the young Luna says, well, you know, I want to, you know, see the whole world. And the older Luna realizes, I forgot all this. I forgot that I had lied to him back then. Uh, And basically she tries to pull a full metal alchemist uh-huh. uh she uses something circle to try and resurrect her dead mom from you know like a femur and some little bones but ginka catches her in the act uh and is like what are you doing what are you doing uh and she denies doing anything but he says luna dead people don't come back to life and luna starts crying and she just starts bawling and says you liar, you said that there was nothing a magician can't do. And she just wants to see her mom again. Uh, and she even throws her magical tome away and says, if I can't see my mom, then I don't want to do magic anymore. Uh, after that, Luna wouldn't eat or drink anything. She was like a puppet whose strings have been cut. And that's why Ginka taught me this magic spell. Memory magic is a type of dark magic that lets you exchange valuable memories for power. The more valuable the memory, the greater the power. 
because I had wanted to see my mother again so badly. The power I was able to get in exchange for that was incredibly strong. But that's not enough to defeat Magaraka. So she needs to forget something else that's valuable in order to defeat him. And the present Luna says, when I said I wanted to travel the world, I wasn't really lying. I wanted to see mom again the most, but I did have other desires. And I think that Gink understood that. And that's why he taught me this spell. I had sworn to myself I would bring her back to life. It had been everything to me. But now I've forgotten all about that. Where did those feelings go? I don't know. But I do know that after that, I had all sorts of fun adventures. So it'll probably be the same after this. Even if I do have to forget something important, it should be okay. My painful experiences have given me so much power. But if I can be at peace with my fears and sorrows, then there should be nothing but fun for me from now on. And in the present, she is coursing with power. Dark energy is streaming out of her palms and swirling around her. And uh, she says, fun is what magic's supposed to be, right? And Magarak is like, oh, you're interesting. And that's where we end the chapter. It's okay, Luna. I also forgot about your two friends. <laughs> I assume that's what she she chose to forget. I was like, I who's Anemone and Beretta? I forgot about them too. So maybe I'm also due for a big power up, you know. Uh, <laughs> so the series is not yet canceled. Uh, not yet. There's a chapter next week, and then we have to Who assume knows? that it's going to be ending soon, though, because this is really a, a kind this of is very story. final story like stuff happening yeah. right here. Um. That said, uh, this is like a chapter I have like kind of confused thoughts on where I'm like, I also like Full Metal Alchemist, like and the the, the, <laughs> the perils of like, I tried to revive my mom, but that's not the way that this, you know, particular power system is supposed to be used. Um, and I'm like on a fence of like, do I dislike that this feels so heavily the same story? It's not this exactly the same because there isn't like, oh, you were punished for trying to use magic or anything like that. Um, but on the, on the other hand, I'm also like, it's a lot of info to like dump out very quickly. Like this happens when series get canceled. They just kind of have to yeah. be like, hey, uh, this is everything I had planned, you know. Um, so it's this weird level of being like, am I intrigued by any of these developments? The idea of like, oh, I can use this magic to like forget important things to me but like it makes me you know like monumentally stronger as a result or am i like that's like a weird mechanic i don't know it's like this very strange feelings i guess i mean i like this chapter uh but it did definitely make me feel like man we really did not have a lot of character development going on for luna until literally just now uh it's not that she was a bad character or anything or that she was a nice character thought that you know Phone or having adventures and just being happy to be happy was was nice, but well, you were keeping this in your back pocket the whole time. Why? <laughs> I feel like that message of like, look, big, giving up who you were in the past or forgetting about it that doesn't mean that like your life is over because you forget about that because you can make new memories and stuff. I feel like that's a really interesting potential message that you can have be like just the theme of the series. Um. And uh, instead, it's just kind of like magic's fun. And 
it feels like you could have done that while have also connecting the two uh more and i don't know it does feel like we're we're kind of we're kind of at the point of where a lot of canceled series go which is oh this could have been a neat idea if you didn't keep it in your back pocket because you were concerned with like oh i'm gonna do this at the appropriate time uh and and because it's like, look, if you've got some stuff that you can do up until you reach that point, that's all great. Then sure, save it for the appropriate time. But if you don't, then why are you holding on to it? So yeah, it's 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 a bit frustrating. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, ah, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens next week when the jump uh, spoilers come out and <laughs> the rankings and everything. Um. Nick, you ready to move on to Mashal Magic of Muscles? Yeah, so it's another serious chapter. So yeah. uh, we're one of the like as we as if there is a single joke chapter again of Mashal, we'd have Austin on immediately. It feels like it's, I'm it's waiting. Like I'm waiting. I'm waiting to find like another like a jokey chapter, and I'm like Austin, please. I need right you to now, know that right I'm not now. lying to you. He's like, oh, I was gonna go to the dentist that day. I'm like, fuck your teeth. Get here. You need to know I'm not a liar. Um, Mashal Magic and Muscles, chapter one forty seven, order Maddle. And the logical decision. So uh, the group is taking Mash out of Innocent Zero's lair. They're running. They're running. Uh, they know, like, if Innocent Zero catches, we are done for. Nobody else is coming to save us. Uh, and they get to a door, but it is covered in rocks. It's blocked. So orders like, get out of my way. Uses sand magic. Blows a hole straight through. He's like, all right, get going, you guys. And they start going. And an order kind of falls. And can't tell it looks like dot maybe turns and is like hey are you all right but orders like i'll be right there and uh oh god i can't tell these characters from the side profile i think caldo gehenna <laughs> or, not, them, or not caldo uh, gehenna um rio grants is like oh order all of them are beaten up and their faces are bloody and their hair is messed up so they all look the same with slightly different shades of hair essentially yeah. it's, it's a little difficult to tell from certain angles but they know they're like all right we're almost out of here as long as nothing happens we'll be okay but then a swarm of what i assume is just like goblins and orcs Basically. and generic evil bad guy army stuff starts coming at them um and they're like shit innocent zero's army is caught up from us we'll never be able to outrun them uh lance tries to use his gravity magic but it's not nearly as effective because he's so tired uh and they're like shit we're not going to be able to do this and then order steps up casts a spell and creates a giant chasm between him and the rest of the characters um with him on the other side. Now, one would say, mm -hmm. could you have cast that anywhere with you on this side? Uh, but Nick, this is meant to be Order Maddle's heroic sacrifice. So he's like, hey, don't you worry, guys. I'm going to handle them. And they're like, there's so many. Plus, you're hurt. This is irrational. You'll die. And Order's like, irrational? Hardly. My decision is based on the reasoning that protecting Mash Burned Dead is the most logical thing to do. Uh, so go and, and tells them all they got to get out of here. Uh, Dot, as he's leaving, is like, you better survive because you still got a lot to teach us. And Order, as they're leaving, is like, Dot, Lance, good job taking down the third brother and pushes up his glasses again. He can't give any, can't give anything. He's like, can't be uh, emotional. He's just going to be like, no. it was good that you defeated that brother. <laughs> uh, so the army is just beating the shit out of him because he has like nothing really left. 
Uh, and they're like, you're just going to die. Look at you. You're powerless. Uh-huh. You're going to die for nothing. Uh, and we get a reminder of Order's dead friend whose name I don't remember and won't. <laughs> Chaos. Uh, <laughs> something. Uh, and Order is thinking to himself, like, even if Mashburn dead survives, our chances of victory is still abysmal. Risking my life to delay the inevitable. Looking back, it wasn't so all that bad of a life. I always try to do the most logical thing, but maybe I was wrong. Staking my life on a no-win scenario while still holding on to hope that he, the boy I tried to eliminate, that he can do this. And there's like a whole montage of different flashbacks as Order is just getting beat up. We see like Doc kind of like grumbling, like, damn it, they're leaving. Uh, And he's just like, and all I can do for him is keep fighting until my body turns to dust. And like one of the orcs is like, no, you're just going to die. And orders just like, maybe it isn't rational of me to put my trust in another. But the rest is up to you. And we see our characters are back in the forest in the very beginning. There's that those two doors there, which I forget how they went through originally. I think they needed Finn there for that. Yeah. <laughs> or no, Finn, to... Finn couldn't do it. So someone else had to do it. Because that was like right. the setup as that Finn was, a, was too much of a coward to help there. Hmm. I forget how they got there originally. They got into they got through a barrier by having Finn switch places with uh with some somebody I believe. Yeah, but uh I don't remember exactly. Um but yeah, it looks like they escaped, but Order Maddle is doing the brave sacrifice. Of course, it's the sacrifice where there's no body left afterwards. You know, you didn't you're not seeing a corpse, so who knows. I do really like the line that like I'm going to keep on doing this until my body turns to dust because he's, you know, the sand magic guys like, ah, I see what you did there. I, I like that. Uh, but I, I mean, look, this is a very, a very shonen chapter. You know, the, 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 the noble sacrifice of the guy who was always kind of a dick and he's evil doing to, his to base. Stress. <laughs> Order metal was evil. a monster. <laughs> yes. And because he's an anti-hero, a very, Nope. strong anti-hero like he's you know trying not to act sentimental at all he's tr- is like oh this is purely logical and stuff but it's like nah nah you, you you've got a heart you you're not you're not that much of a bigot deep down inside we know we know um but uh i do like his insistence on trying to keep up the lie essentially even to himself of like no i'm just doing this because it's the thing to be done it has nothing to do with sentiment or anything but clearly it is yeah all right good stuff um but we have to talk about the elusive samurai nicholas yeah yes chapter 101 say taisho goon 1335 this is a big celebration because hey we retook the capital and stuff woo uh and tokyo key for some reason is running around serving alcohol to people i don't know uh he runs into Nagoe Takakuni, who is around his own age, and he's this knocking his this spear wielding warrior who's like, I'm going to skewer Takaji with this spear and avenge my father. And we dedicate like a lot of time to this new guy, and it's like, ah, more history. You see <laughs> This was a young warlord and young commanders were common in those days. And it's like, yeah, but is he gonna be important? Is he gonna do anything? 
Like, we're gonna, we're gonna like follow this character at all? Is he gonna come up in the future? Because like, I mean, just because you've found him in a history book doesn't mean I want to like follow this kid if he's not gonna do anything. You don't need to spend three ja- three pages like introducing him. I don't give a shit if he's not gonna do anything. All right, but here he is. He's got a spear. Okay, he's a kid. All right. Uh, we get some explanation of Sadamune's movements while this stuff was going on during, you know, uh, Tokyuki's group's big victory. Uh, and he specifically, you know, went after some territories that had been held by the Hoshina where their defenses were thinner in order to take them instead. Uh, and, uh, he's approached by, you know, two of his men, including Ichikawa, the big ears guy. Ah, we finally meet the third member of the big facial features group. He's got a big nose. Yes. Yes. The the gang's all here, Nick. Leave this stronghold, Ichikawa, don't know me. So, uh, Sadamune uh, is like, yep, I'm going to block their retreat. Uh, until Kyuki realizes, like, oh, man, this is, you know, this is my, so my generals are really beaten up. So, you know, but they're trying to put on a brave face for me after this. And so he tries to, you know, very humbly express his gratitude, but they just kind of snatch him and are just like, hey, come on, we're all, we're all in this together. We support your ambitions and we hope that we all fare well. Yorishige pulls Tokiyuki over to the side while everyone's still celebrating and says, like, oh, okay, you, you met Masamune. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, he knows people and swords. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here's a map. <laughs> so... <laughs> Here's what these guys are doing. Here's what these guys are doing. Uh, we're going. We're going to do stuff. And uh, Tokyuki says, "I face Takauji thanks to you. You truly care for me and the people of Shinano. But is that enough for a god like you to risk himself? Why are you doing all of this? You promised that you would tell me after we retook Kamakura." And Yorishige says, "Isn't it obvious? It's so we can have fun together." This guy's so weird. So, yeah. Um, uh, he's like, I want to go see Kamakura by your side. And also, I'll tell you another reason. All right. Uh, meanwhile, in Kyo, the Mikado has issued orders for elaborate prayers seeking Tokyuki's destruction. <laughs> Which sounds very evil. <laughs> Dear God, please kill this 12-year-old. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, Nick. (laughs) We've all had those moments where we're like, ooh, this child would just die. So, now everyone's acting in confusion of like, holy shit, there's this kid who's leading this army. Everything's thrown in disarray. What do we do? Uh, Except for Takaoji, who says, I know what to do. Make me Sei Taishogun. Uh, I'll, I'll be commander of all warriors, and I'll defeat the Hojo heir. So the emperor says, why do you persist in seeking this honor when time's of the essence? As commander in chief of all warriors, your might would surpass my own. Victory oh, okay. anyway. I was like, I don't. Nick, froze for a second, so you might need to repeat yourself. I was oh, like, yeah. this is a really long dramatic pause. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the emperor basically says, "Look, if you're if you're commander in chief of all my warriors, then your might would surpass my own. So I'm not going to do that. My my prince is going to be shogun instead. You'll achieve victory, use your strength anyway. Uh, go forth, 
ride without ambition. Go do what I tell you to without trying to be more powerful. Fuck you. St stop it. Uh, so Takauji goes off and uh, he's uh, goes and talks with Moro now, one of his remaining generals, who prepares some sashimi because this is the time for that. Obviously, as what you do when you know there's a twelve year old you really want to kill in battle, you make some sashimi. Uh, but when he makes the sashimi, uh, Takauji tries some of it. Oh, there's a tiny bone in it, and he realizes that uh, even. The consummate steward Moronao is, is is being eaten away at by all this anticipation. I prefer to advance on my own pace. Having to rush my plans because of one boy is something I find annoying. And he 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 defiantly chomps through the tiny fish bone because he wants to ruin his teeth. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's, it's not good. So, yeah, uh, he says, all right, let's go battle without telling the emperor. <laughs> Fuck that guy. So, uh, yeah, uh, he sets out along with Moranau and his other troops. And we get a uh, narration saying that this bold step forward was the first toward the upending of his life. So, yeah, I guess I'm guessing that this uh, might not be the best move on his part. Probably not, but, you know, we shall see. I, I never paid attention to history, so all this is new to me, Nick, you know? It is. This is it's an exciting world. Anything can happen, unless somebody who's read a book just spoils it for me. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, dude, he dies choking on a rock. <laughs> and you're like, weird, did he, did someone push it down his mouth, or did he willingly eat the rock? You're like, history's unclear about that fact. <laughs> <laughs> just that he choked on a rock. <laughs> Just that there was a rock in his skeleton when they found it. <laughs> but there was a little ranch on it, so people think he was trying to eat it. Wait, so... <laughs> it wasn't until they found... It wasn't until they found his skeleton that they knew there was a rock in it. But also, there was a ranch dressing <laughs> the body. The his entire body had decayed away around the entire body decayed and they're like that looks like a little bit of ranch in there <laughs> it's lets you know you know how much medical uh, knowledge has advanced in the past you know several hundred years and people were like oh my god he's dead what killed him i don't know <laughs> we'll never know this mystery until his skin dissolves away and reveals the juicy sea oh he choked on that rock <laughs> oh that's crazy who chokes on rocks <laughs> There's like Barge just telling the tale like Heard there was a man who chewed upon a rock Wrenched it bound upon the tail And now he has a small cock You know like alright The man just recently died I don't think we need to insult his penis size Just because you needed a rhyme with rock What are you doing here? You're clearly from like jaunty old England And this is Japan <laughs> He's like, nope, I'm, I go where I need it. Da, 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 da. They have a small penis. You're like, so wait, do all of your little stories just insult the size of people's genitalia? He's like, most of them. <laughs> you might call it my signature, really. <laughs> That's why they call <laughs> They call me Meanie Bo Jackson. <laughs> You know who my grandfather was? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm from the distance. <laughs> you just, he's like, 
Japanese hills. You're like, Jackson is such a common last name. <laughs> if it wasn't definite, you had to be related to him. <sighs> oh, fuck. All right. Time for One Piece. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Oh, there's fluid licking out of every office in my face. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Uh, I'll start that. Give you time to recover. This is One Piece uh, 1077. Should have known noticed sooner. And it starts with uh, uh, Caesar and Judge realizing they're like, mm -hmm. uh oh, we should really be turning our animosity towards Vegapunk because we're both yeah. old dickheads. Right. There's a, little, there's a little thought bubble above their heads. Look at that. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're going to take over you want? Yeah, I think so. I'm, okay. I don't, I'm okay, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, Sentamaru uh, has uh, gathered the unimportant people on the island. Uh, he, the, the people he was hanging out with when he released all of the... Uh, I think this, it's the Seraphim, right? Yes. That's I was trying to remember they had a special name. Uh, but uh, he says, like, look, I need all of you to get off the island. And everyone's like, what's going on here? Why'd you deploy the pacifistas? And he says, years ago, a place called Ohara vanished from all the world maps overnight because they dared to defy the world government. And we get something I can't believe doesn't happen in One Piece more often. A refresher on that important historical incident that hasn't been brought up in a little while. <laughs> yeah, this was strange. It was like, did an editor force you to do this? As <laughs> like, Mr. Oda, you can't keep assuming everyone remembers what happened in your 25-year-old series. You just can't. I've referenced it three times in this arc. Did you explain any of those times? No. No, I did not. <laughs> no, I didn't do any of it. <laughs> do it now. <laughs> I just added more lore to it. Aww. Actually, I did. I did hear recently that that One Piece did get a new editor recently because that's something that they just do occasionally. Like they kind of have a newer editor just take it on. So because it's like, well, One Piece isn't going to fail, so we'll have the editor pick up stuff from yeah. being the editor of One Piece. So maybe someone new is just like, Mister Oda, I am twenty years old. <laughs> He hisses like know. a cat. <laughs> uh, so I need what happened here. You have to tell me. This series, <laughs> this series is older than I am alive, but I think I know how it should be told. <laughs> so Sentamaru says, "Look, if they're trying to kill Punk, uh, then and you can't we must... kill Punk, Nick." Punk will never die. Uh, but he's, but uh, Sidomar says, if they're going to try and kill Punk, they probably have concluded that if he must be erased, regardless of the cost to scientific progress, which means that something even worse than what happened to Ohara could be about to happen here and now. Well, that would be very bad then, because that island was um, obliterated. So. Buster called, yeah. Uh, so, which is a step below getting whatever happened to that vampire kingdom <laughs> <laughs> so um and of course they don't know what's happening in the, in the decks above them which is that uh, luffy and luchi are fighting against uh kuma 
uh, the, the, the Kuma Seraphim, I should I should uh, clarify, and uh, Kaku and Zoro are fighting against uh, Mihawk Seraphim, uh, who is dodging around their attacks. And even when Zoro slashes at him, it does no damage because they have the flames on their back. They make them completely impervious to attack. And this is such a such a weirdly timed joke, but it's so funny. <laughs> Z- you know, Luffy is like, what the fuck? Why are these guys so tough? And Zoro says, wait a minute. They seem kind of similar to King, a guy I fought in Wano. And uh, Luchi realized, like, whoa, Kaido's pirate crew had a Lunarian in it? And Zoro's like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, that's not Zoro- Kluchi who says that. That is uh, Shaka. That, that's, uh, yeah, Shaka, uh, Vegapunk 1. So he's like, oh, so then I imagined that, uh, that he must have been Alber the test subject who escaped from Punk Hazard with Kaido. The Seraphim are augmented with none other than his Lunarian blood. Uh, and so I was like, oh, okay. So then watch the flames on their backs, because you won't your attacks won't do damage while the flames are going on. You gotta wait until they're out in order to attack them. They're basically invincible. Sorry that I wasted a bunch of our stamina. I should have realized it sooner. And which is like, no, it's okay. No, it's, uh, it's, it's alright, because now we do have a strategy on how to fight these guys. And then Zoro says, yeah, King's notable features were his white hair, brown skin, black wings, and flames on his back. <laughs> Everyone's like, so exactly what they look like? <laughs> you definitely should have picked up on this sooner. Uh, I felt like a big idiot when this chapter came out, and I was very thankful to find other people in our Discord who was like, I don't even remember this flame mechanic with King <laughs> at all. I legitimately was like, oh, I remember Zoro cut a big dragon, and then beat him and that's about it and that king was really hot <laughs> that was really my takeaways and then people are like no that was a mechanic they they drop their flames when they want to go really fast or something like that yeah. which makes no sense you would mm-hmm. make flames when you want to go fast Absolutely. like a race car sometimes <laughs> when sonic runs he leaves little fires behind him it's just how these things work if you want to not be vulnerable while you go fast, just put red stripes on all of your clothes. Come on. Yeah. And also hold your arms up behind you like this. I wish that was an orc mechanic for 40k. Like the the red the red cars already is a thing, but if they were like they get weebed and they're just like if you hold your arms behind you, you go faster. Uh. We so um, Zoro starts clashing with the Mihawk one again, and then we cut over, get a nice look way up on his skirt. She has no, she has she has no skirt to begin with. Like it's like That's a shirt true. that ends at her hips, so it's just a weird butt Unnecessary. shot. Yeah, uh, and uh, she, uh, it is kind of nice that he you know, she has to like kind of hype herself up because she's like it doesn't matter that this guy looks like Jinbei but also a kid he's not actually a child he's not actually Jinbei and he also he hurt the fuck out of Brooke so we've got to find him uh, so I, I do like that touch that she's like I don't I don't feel good about this so I've got to talk myself into it so she unleashes Zeus with a full huge lightning blast uh, and the Jinbei uh, Seraphim uh, is you know smoking and ow uh, but then when he falls backwards, he goes bloosh because he has uh, uh, the swim swim fruit. Uh, and Brooke realizes as he's about to come up, like, oh, Matt, he's actually just going to attack you from below. And uh, the Jimbei comes up from behind Nami to come after her. Brooke start- tries to 
act to defend her, but he realizes that's not necessary because Sanji comes tearing out of nowhere and says, Article 1 of the Sanji Tushin! If you scare Nami, you get death! What are all the articles of the Sanji Tushin? He, like... he jumps from 1 to 9. <laughs> well, that's fair. You know, maybe he didn't come up with the rest, or maybe the others are just really gross. Or it's just the same thing, but for other women he cares about. He's like, Sanji Tushin 2, same thing, but replaced <laughs> Robin <laughs> with <laughs> Nami. <laughs> And every time that he meets a new woman that he really, really likes, he has to bump everyone up. He's like, oh my god, dude, the Sanji 2 shit is getting out of control. <laughs> and every time that a new law passes, we gotta have another vote about this. Okay, it passes. <laughs> <laughs> so he delivers this massive kick to Jinbei uh, and uh, says, look, I don't care if you're, you're our kid or if you're Jinbei, you get the death penalty, Jinbei Jr. <laughs> so Sanji will kill a child. <laughs> upset a woman he likes. He does what he needs to. Meanwhile, uh, there is uh, Usopp's group trying to fight the Hancock clone uh, and uh, Seraphim, not Seraphim, uh, Vegapunk 2 Love fires this pistol at, uh, at uh, Hancock and it kind of grazes her ear and she suddenly collapses uh, in weakness. And uh, she explains, like, yeah, so these bubbles I have are made out of sea energy. So that green blood that gives them the powers also gives them the weaknesses associated with Devil Fruit abilities. Uh, so it's like, yeah, all right, let's get her while we got the chance. Uh, and Frankie goes to dive on top of Hancock to hold her down. And, uh, hey, she actually, like, talks, like, full sentences, uh, mm -hmm. which I think is the first time we've seen one of the Seraphim actually do that because they've been kind of creepy children this whole time. Uh, she just kicks him in the, the chin and says, don't touch me. Uh, and uh, Lilith clarifies like, yeah, okay, it was just a, a, a grazing blow with, with the uh, bullet. So, uh, but if I hit her with a big bullet, then it'll be fine. Uh, meanwhile, of course, Hancock is pissed off and is firing huge lasers and stuff. So uh, Frankie picks up a, a big bubble and just <laughs> on top of her. All right, we got her. <laughs> Um, but uh, they're like, yeah, we got it. But then Hancock goes, it hurts. And Frankie immediately, like, friend to all children, Frankie can't can't keep it together for even a, a second. He goes, oh no, I'm so sorry. Uh, and so she uses Hancock's ability to petrify him, and uh, that that's it. You know, he 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 hesitated, and the the bubble stops working, and uh, Hancock dodges the next bubble that Lilith launches. She does a cute little yeah, wink pose, and everyone's like, oh, she's so cute. Bah! They're petrified by her power too so things aren't going too too well for the straw hats right now they're chopping like flies in this great. chapter <laughs> we cut over to shaka who uh has gone to the old devil fruit research lab the basement floor and uh he spots the you know canister with all of the people from uh the different cypher pole uh investigative units who are being held prisoner there and they're like oh are you the culprit uh, and he's like, wait a minute, aren't you guys the agents who visited a while back? Why are you here? <laughs> uh, so, and of course, then he also sees Vegapunk Prime uh, and uh, says, what, what's going on? Who did this to you? Uh, I'll, I'll get you out. But uh, Vegapunk says, uh, Shaka, who came with you? And Shaka's like, huh, pardon? And a gun clicks and 
he gets shot through the head. Yeah, it's fucking brutal. Like, this is one of the more, like, visceral actions in One Piece, in my mind. I'm trying to think if we've ever seen... Like, we've seen characters get shot, but I don't think... Not, like, sniped through the head shot. Yeah, this definitely looks like it was a sniper because this is from... like up the stairs that this bullet got fired and so everyone's like oh my god who just did that and there are footsteps that are descending the steps down and we don't get to see yet who the saboteur is now nick who are you gonna predict it is because we're we're about to find out who it is i think unless it is like we're not going to touch the plot for another couple weeks um I mean, I guess it could be Stussy. Maybe <laughs> kind of a straightforward answer. It could be um, one of the Vegapunk clones, potentially, I guess. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think we've seen the tiny one recently. Edison. Well, there's there's one that's normally tiny, and then there's Pythagoras, who had their body destroyed, but then like made destroyed, a tiny right. body. So it could be Pythagoras. We haven't seen them. I don't think we've seen atlas recently either atlas is the big one right she's the the astro boy violence one right i can't i feel like we've seen her somewhere but i just we don't see her in this chapter so i'm trying i'm trying to remember Mm -hmm. where to like actually place her in all this um and I, i think an important thing to establish is that this arc has like formally kind of like set forward the idea that clones can just exist in this universe Mm -hmm. and like legitimately anybody could come down those stairs but that said i do think everything is lining up with Jin. uh Jin, who has never been established to use a gun ever (laughs) is going to have uh shown that he's been a sniper all this time and he's coming down the stairs to show us he is still important to this story (laughs) So I'm really excited about that. Uh, it's been a long time, but, you know, it is good about paying those things off. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I do know that there's been like a, an actually like fair amount of guessing going on with kind of just everyone about like, well, who is doing all this stuff? And I mean, Oda has definitely like been playing it you know, tied to the chest over like who is doing anything. Uh, and I think that, you know, just as a result of like all the straw hats are there, plus, you know, a few other characters, plus all these different Vegapunk clones, it's just like, yeah, there's actually a lot of people on this island in terms of doing any sort of like murder mystery kind of element to this. So even though it's not like beginning a whole ton of focus, it is nice to to just have that like, yeah, I don't really know who the fuck it is. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I guess we'll probably find out soon because I can't imagine that the tension can go on for too much longer for this kind of a reveal uh, for this type of series yeah all right we might end it professor peanuts did just did his curl around which usually is a sign he's not going to hang around too much longer he's like all right about to get up and you're making too much noise up there yapper yeah we gotta (laughs) we gotta we gotta cater to uh the uh the schedule of our third co-host uh so uh let's uh let's get this wrapped up i should get him a Uh, little mic (laughs) <laughs> won't be plugged in anything but a little mic for him just just a little webcam just for professor <laughs> he looks so cute my little he's a little businessman. <laughs> um, all right our favorites nick favorite series and mvp what you got for me uh my favorite series this is so tough because I, i'm yeah. really torn between chainsaw man and blue box 
Mm. And my character of the week is going to be the Falling Devil. That is just such a cool, awesome reveal and a great character design that I'm like, I think it's definitely going to be the Falling Devil. But I'm so torn if I'm like, was Chainsaw Man that good that I want to split the vote? Or I don't want to split the vote, but I think I do want to give it to Blue Box. Because that was also a really, really good chapter. I love the little, like subtle way of being like the flower on the cactus has bloomed he's, he's, yeah you know, there's, there's something there it's a very very sweet moment yeah i i do appreciate blue box's uh adherence to you know having those moments of show don't tell so that you know you just kind of appreciate them even more it's it's a lot deeper than it has a much deeper impact i should say than if you know chinatsu were to you know say to herself in explicit terms i think i'm getting to like this boy like, it's just much more powerful to just know what that's associated with and see it happen and be like oh and, 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 and she's 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 thinking that maybe maybe she does uh and hey there's a lot of other stuff going on there like hey i want to see if you know she's able to fully make amends with uh, or rather if you is able to fully make amends with her if they're able to become friends again in some capacity uh Will there be more to like the sports plot of all this, which suddenly feels like it's a lot more relevant to the overall story while also still not neglecting all the character relationship stuff that the series is really focused on? Oh, very good. Uh, so I am going to definitely repeat my repeat your vote and say, yeah, Blue Box, my favorite chapter this week. All right. And uh, who's your MVP? I'm going to say Luna. Oh, uh, interesting. I mean, as much as I do agree with you that, yeah, it is like, yeah, I also like Fullmetal Alchemist, uh, but I do think that just the speech that she has at the end uh, where she admits like, look, I've given up something that's very valuable to me and I'm going to have to give up something that's even more valuable to me, but it's going to be okay because I know that what's in front of me is going to be a life that I'll enjoy living. Uh, it's nice and also you know this having this element of her backstory revealed to us does make her a more complex character than just you know the girl who's just excited to be going on adventures which was fine but this is more than that so uh the audience by the way uh doubled down chainsaw man and the falling devil were the mvp and chapter of the week so everybody loved chainsaw man everybody loved blue box and nick firmly saying i love luna go luna sorry i'm still trying to figure out like is it it's it's just it's it is just because she's a tall woman right that's why that's why that that's it that's tall she has a very pronounced set of breasts uh the chef costume is like kind of one of those like very attractive costumes in a way She's tall. Yeah, she could step on you, Nick. And her head, she has like so many hands and some of them are just holding up her head. She can't she can't step on you because she doesn't have feet. She's got hands. <laughs> Remember, those are hands down there. <laughs> well, then she can slap you. I don't know. Whatever you're into, she could probably do it. I want everyone who's thinking about that to just remember she's got monkey feet. And if that just makes you go, oh, good, that might. Yeah, for you. But for those of you that it ruins it for, ha, it's in your heads now. <laughs> uh, all you need to do, Nick, is go to our art sharing channel on our Discord. You'll oh, find God. plenty of people who have found wonderful art of her. I don't dare go to the Not Safe for Work channel. 
I don't know what happens in there, but I'm sure something debaucherous. You know what happened? I got tagged recently in the fucking VTuber channel. I was so angry. I was like, who dares summon me to this dank urine-soaked hellhole? Urine-soaked? <laughs> uh, it was for a very legitimate question. I was happy to answer, but I was just like, who dares call God. me here? Uh, congratulations to Iron Mouse on your award. Uh, so that is... <laughs> gonna do it for weekly manga recap this week everyone oh god my eyes still hurt from the from the new jackson family member um <laughs> they're coming uh, out with an album oh i should mention uh um lazarus in our discord actually recorded a song for hambone jackson it's oh like a whole my song. god yeah you're gonna, you're gonna listen to it on discord uh i don't think i have a link uh, so I, I can't provide that, but I'll make sure to join like... the discord, join the discord server that it will be below the dis- that will be in the uh, link in the description of this podcast slash video in order to hear an ode to an ode from Hambone Jackson. An, an ode, I, I believe it's an ode to Hambone Jackson. Gotcha. Uh, so um, <laughs> we'll listen to that and just join the discord server. That's a great way of keeping uh, up to date on when the show goes live here on twitch.tv slash rollot, which is normally 7.30s on Wednesday, 7.30 on Wednesday evenings. I should, I, uh, and our recorded episodes can be listened to on humongerecap.popping.com, iTunes, Spotify, generally wherever podcasts can be shared. You can listen to it there. The video versions on youtube.com slash weekly manga recap, where you can also see the opening sequence done by Milo Jack Stilitz and Winsleydale Cheddar, and occasionally see some sexy fan art by Steve Mann, uh, who also just draws other sexy art uh, under Steve Mann art in a whole bunch of places. Can I note the tragedy that is we will not have a Monster Musume title card by him because he's take, huh. he, ta- he takes a uh, march off? for from commissions i was like oh i can't i can't force you to do one but i, no, I feel like no. everyone's gonna be missing something of getting their favorite spider wife with giant giant cans yep i assume that's a character i i i'm, I'm playing to start getting into it now it absolutely, it absolutely is and yes her cans are among the bigger in the harem yes. there we go yeah. see i just know how this series works yeah. uh anyway Join us soon for our in-depth, deep-dive discussion of Monster Musume, which will be ha- coming shortly. Uh, and like uh, in the meantime, shortly. <laughs> in the meantime, thank you everyone who supports the show. Uh, we want to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon at patreon.com/slash/weeklymagrecap. We'd also like to thank Ninja X3I for maintaining the Google Doc that keeps track of all sorts of helpful statistics associated with the show, including. Uh, for awards for like favorite moments and stuff associated with just the, not just the podcast, but also like manga that we read in general, if you want to participate in those. Uh, and uh, also you can make a recommendation on that uh, document as well for a future series for us to cover. So thank you everyone. This has been uh, a very weird, but very fun episode. We'll catch y'all next time on weekly manga recap. Yep. Nothing funny to say. Professor pants needs to go. Yep. <laughs> There's nothing died. fun about that. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing fun about that. No. no, he's he's a serious cat. He's all business. Mm-hmm. With his little with his little little tie. 
oh my god i like imagine with a little tie like i'm having a birthday party and he like knocks the hat off my head he's like when's dinner <laughs> 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 professor peanuts means business <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>